Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, what's up Active Church? It's Pastor Joe here. I'm on the team and maybe it's your first time watching. I hope it is not your last time watching. We're starting a brand new series today called Whatever It Takes. And hey, I wanna let you know, if you didn't, I'm a new husband. Check out the ring. It's been so awesome. I'm I'm married to an incredible woman. Her name is Diana. And we got married in the middle of a pandemic. So we wear that badge proudly. The best part about it is that it was nothing that we anticipated, but it was everything that we needed and more than we ever wanted. And now we are living the greatest days of our life together and also with a church community that we absolutely love. If you're new to active, new to church, new to this experience, keep hanging out with us. But I do wanna say, It has not been perfect, mostly because I am not perfect. I'm trying to figure out what this whole husband thing looks like. I'll give you a couple examples. Did you know that you are not supposed to come home after a long day, take your shoes off and put them on the couch, the brand new couch next to the brand new white pillows? I didn't know that, I learned that. Did you also know there's a difference between decorative pillows and pillows that you actually use? I didn't know that. There's so many things you learn when you're living so close with somebody. So many things I'm learning about myself, things that I thought I had going right for the longest time that are brand new to me. But like I said, I'm learning. Something that nobody told me to expect was something like this. A couple weeks ago, Diana said that she had a really bad toothache right before she went to bed. Diana loves her teeth and she loves Jesus. Two most important things in the world to her. Right before she went to bed, she's like, ah, babe, my mouth really hurts and I said, Being the great, wonderful, fantastic husband I am, I said, babe, that sucks. And I turned off the light, went to bed. Middle of the night, I slowly began to wake from my slumber. Something you need to know about me is that I can sleep through anything. I slept through fire alarms, true stories. I've slept through earthquakes, true stories. But something aroused me from my slumber. And I got up, looked around, and I heard a whimper coming from the other side of the bed. And being half awake, half asleep, kind of shell-shocked, I think to myself, did we get a puppy? I turn over and I see that my wife is holding her face and I see that she is in so much pain. And I think to myself in that moment, like, oh no, what do I do? So I wake her up instantly and I'm like, Diana, are you okay? Are you all right? Do you need anything? And for the next few hours, I would say for the rest of the night, we were up trying to figure out how to solve her tooth pain and her toothache. And I remember not knowing what to do whatsoever. So I ran to the kitchen, got her water, brought it back. I'm like, oh, you know what? Ice would be great. Hey babe, here's the thing of ice to chew on. And I realized she can't chew. Her mouth is hurting. Good job, genius. Oh, you know what she needs? She needs Tylenol. Ran over there, get her Tylenol, run back. But I'm still half awake in this moment. So I'm tripping the entire time as I'm doing it. But have you ever been in one of those moments? where maybe you're going through crisis, maybe your loved one is in pain, maybe you're in the middle of a global pandemic and you would do whatever it takes to help the ones that you love most. 
Maybe you have kids right now and they're just tired of doing Zoom. They're tired of doing life at home. They're tired of doing school at home and they're just exhausted. And you are like, I just wanna help you get through this moment. Maybe you have a loved one who is looking to you for help and advice in the middle of crisis, in the middle of moments, but at some point you just realize the addiction is too big, the stress is too much, this is above your pay grade, and you don't know what to do. Maybe you're a boss and you have employees who are looking to you for answers and directions and they wanna know what's next and what to expect and are they still gonna have their jobs? And the truth is that you can't give the answer but you would do whatever it takes to lead them through it. Has this been you? Is this you? See, the thing that they don't tell us is that leadership is hard and the people that we're leading have no clue, have no clue, have no clue how unprepared we often feel as leaders. You see, many of us, we may not consider ourselves leaders, but we're actually leaders in so many different realms of our lives, whether we're parents, whether we're husbands or wives, whether we're just people with employees, whether we're managers and we have people looking up to us. Leadership is a thing that a lot of us carry. And in the middle of crisis, in the middle of moments, like moments that we're in in 2020, we often feel the least qualified to be leaders because leadership is hard. But here's the thing about leadership that I want to share with you, and maybe you already know, but you haven't admitted yet. The first thing about leadership that we need to admit is that we don't have all the answers. While people may be looking to us for the answer, we may not always have the right answers. Parents, can we be honest? Do anybody know exactly what to tell your little one on why they weren't going back to school physically? It was hard. Secondly, we don't always know what to do. Bosses, have you had to make a hard decision this past year and did you know what the outcomes were gonna be? In March, did you know we were gonna be right here in November? And if we're all honest, and this may be helpful for you because I know it's helpful for me, the third thing is sometimes it feels like we're just making it up as we go. At least I know I am. Let's be real, church. Sometimes as we consider these things, it can feel like we're less of a leader, less of a parent, less qualified to be a boss. But the truth is our ability to admit that we don't have all the right answers, we don't always know what to do, and sometimes we're just making it up as we go because none of us took a class for this. I don't know about you, but I must have skipped class or something that day. Nobody taught us for these moments. The ability to admit that we don't know what we're doing sometimes actually makes us a better leader, a better boss a better spouse, a better husband, a better coach, and a better mentor. So the question that we ask today is what do we do when we don't know what to do but would do whatever it takes to lead the ones that we love? Today I wanna to look at a narrative in the Bible. It comes from Luke chapter seven. And in this narrative, we find two people who are both in the middle of crisis, very much like me and you are today, both in need of leadership, both have different expectations of what leadership is. And I think as we look at this passage, we're gonna see that there's some guidance for us, there's some guidance for you at home, and there's some guidance on how to be the leader that tomorrow needs and do whatever it takes. So if you will turn with me, Luke chapter seven, verse 36, let's check it out. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. 
Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Ouch. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will be more in love with him? Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not, did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head and she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Jesus is sitting with this Pharisee, this religious leader of the time. His name was Simon. And they're having dinner together. Simon had invited him over and invited a whole cohort of his friends. And as they're sitting down for dinner, reclining, burning the midnight oil, having conversation, bus in a wedding crasher, a hysterical woman who is weeping. And she runs to Jesus and she grabs his feet and she begins to profusely cry. She's crying so heavily, so deeply. She's in so much pain. And as she weeps, she weeps so much that... His feet are soaked with her tears. So she takes the only thing that she has, her hair, and she dries his feet. And she also brought a jar with her, a jar of perfume that costs a year's salary. And she begins to pour it onto Jesus' feet. And as she's pouring it onto Jesus' feet, I imagine the crowd is looking. The party is slowed down. There is no party no more. There's a scene. There's a problem. And Simon, who is the host, looks at this situation and does one of those moves. You know those moves where you say something loud enough for people to hear you, but not enough for them to understand you? Maybe it's a little passive-aggressive nod. He does one of those moves and he says out loud, loud enough, oh, if Jesus knew who she was, he would know he can't hang with her. If he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't be around her. If he knew the kind of life that she lived, if he knew what kind of person she was, if he was really a leader, if he was really a prophet, he wouldn't be spending time with this girl. Translated, what is Jesus doing? You see, what Simon sees that we don't see as, as being in this century is that this is a level 10 crisis going on in this world. There's three levels of crisis. First, there's a financial crisis that is going on. I said that this jar of perfume cost one year's salary. I don't know about you, but I know a couple weeks ago, I dropped a bowl of guacamole and I lost my mind. And this is one year's salary worth of perfume and she's just pouring it out on Jesus' feet. How wasteful. This could have gone to help people. This could have gone to the temple. This could have gone to helping the church. This could have gone to the homeless. This could have gone to better things. And here we are just pouring it out. What's going on? It's all over my floor. 
There's a spiritual crisis going on. Back in that day, your social standing and your spiritual standing were so tied together. How close you were to God was often how close you were to people. And this woman, she's described often in this passage as a sinful woman. Simon was known to be a Pharisee. He was known to be close to God. He was known to be a religious leader. This woman was known for all the opposite reasons. All the things you don't want to be known for, that's what that woman was known for. And here the two are meshing in this party that has been crashed. And Jesus is slowing down and noticing her. And Simon's like, what is going on? These two worlds aren't supposed to be together. There's a social issue going on. There's a spiritual issue going on. Simon wanted to keep his status. He wanted to be that guy. He wanted to be a Pharisee. And the Pharisees didn't mix with these kind of people. There's a social dynamic and a spiritual dynamic that is going on that is causing crisis in this place. And lastly, there's a leadership crisis that he sees. Jesus was a prophet. He was an up-and-coming star. He was an up-and-coming religious figure. People were coming to know about him. And now he had a moment to shine and to show how holy and how good he was and how different he was from this woman. And he doesn't. And so Simon's like, why is this woman in my house? Why aren't you doing anything about it, Jesus? Aren't you supposed to be a prophet? Aren't you supposed to be a leader? He has this expectation of what a leader is. And but Jesus catches his words. He catches what he says. Because do these crises sound familiar to you? They sound familiar to me. But Jesus catches this crisis, catches his undertones. And Jesus says this to him. Simon, I have a story to tell you. And Simon perks up. Okay, I'm ready to hear. Two people owe a lot of money. Moneylender comes, forgives them both of their debt. Who is more thankful? Obviously, Simon says, the person who owes more money. More money, more problems, right? Jesus says, you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And then he turns to the woman. He looks at her. She's weeping. She's on the floor. She's crying. She's desperate. Do you feel the tone in her voice? Do you hear the quiver, quiver of her heart? She's in this moment and she has nothing else to do, nowhere else to go. And Jesus says, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. And I remember thinking of the party just coming to a complete stop. People were in disbelief that he had just done that. Why? Because he didn't share any of her problems. He didn't tell her how to get close to God. He didn't give her a three-step, all right, here's what you need to do now. He just said, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus knows that this is blowing people's minds. So what he does is he double downs on it. He says, now go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. You're good to go. Now go in peace. You're good for life. Now go in peace. There's two things that leaders often neglect. And there's two things that I really see emerging in this story is leaders often neglect the very act of leading others. Yeah, I know we can be in moments of leadership where we can be responsible for people, but it doesn't mean that we're actually leading people. Next week, we're going to talk about how to lead others really well. You're going to want to join us for that. The second thing that people forget when they're in leadership positions is they forget to lead themselves. There's been this aura around leadership that's been created that we need to know everything, we need to know all the right answers, we need to know what to do. But the truth is, the hard reality is, is that along the way of leading, we often forget the very person who is making the decisions, and that is ourselves. We have to learn how to lead ourselves really well. 
just as Jesus noticed this woman, we have to ask ourselves, if we're willing to do whatever it takes, will we consider becoming whatever is needed? We have to consider to do whatever it takes. We have to become whatever is needed. Leadership doesn't start with making the right decisions. Leadership starts with becoming the right person. And I'm convinced from these past eight months that there is no such thing as making a perfect decision in imperfect situations. There's no such thing as having the right answers for everybody in imperfect situations. Yet when you're not in leadership, when you're not a leader, maybe when you just feel like you don't even know what leadership is, we often look into other people to solve our problems. What if we took a moment and looked inward, looked at ourselves? If we can't control the environment, if we can't control other people, are we willing to ask the hard questions who am I? Who am I becoming? And how am I leading? There's three things I want to give you to consider today, and they're just things that I want you to consider. You don't have to do any of them. That's the best part of this. But I will say that if you do not consider these three things, somebody at some point will consider them for you. Now you may be wondering, well, what does that mean? Let's check it out. The first thing I want to invite you to consider is consider your character. Simon was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious leader whose chief responsibility was to help people get close to God. But along the way, Simon had forgotten those things because a culture had been developed around this Pharisee position where you had to know the right people, you had to be around the right people, and you had to act the right way. It's not a coincidence he invited Jesus over to his house that day. And so as he's sitting with Jesus, he's trying to get something out of it. He's trying to be known. He's trying to be associated with Jesus in this moment. There's a difference between leading and acting like a leader. And I think you and I both know that. Harvard Business Review did a study that correlated power and positions of influence, power and titles. And what they did is they had groups of people come in and they had randomly assigned certain people the role of leader. They told these people, all right, your job is to help the other people, the workers, get things done. And the worker's job is to get things done according to what the leader has said. And so things are going great. The leader is telling them what to do and the workers are getting stuff done. 30 minutes into the study, a plate of cookies is brought in, sat down. What the people observed, what Harvard Business Review observed, is that the people who ate the most cookies, made the biggest messes, also uh, helped the least in the overall production of the tasks came from the category of, come on, I know you know it, I know you know it, it came from the leaders. The leaders were making the messes, the leaders were causing the problems, the leaders were eating the most cookies, and the leaders were helping the very least. And here's the thing, this was just a title that was given. That title had no meaning outside of this study. So let me ask you, where are you leading from? Where are you leading from? Are you leading from a position? Are you leading from a title? Are you leading from your character? Follow-up question. Why should anyone follow you? Are you someone worth following? These questions are hard to answer because they make us consider our inside world rather than the outside world. They make us consider our role in the crisis rather than others' responsibility in fixing the crisis? Have we considered these things? What I know to be true and why these questions are so important is because you will never outrun you. At the end of the day, 
You can go wherever you want. You can lead wherever you want. You can get new jobs, jump into new families, go into new situations, but at the end of the day, you will still be the same you, unless we consider our character. Character makes leadership compelling. And I believe that if we want to be the people of God, the God, people of God that Jesus called us to be, to be the leaders that this world needs, we have to consider our characters. How are we leading? And here's the best part. You already know what makes a good leader. You already know these characteristics. You've been around good leaders. You know people in your life. What if you took a moment this week, wrote down all the characteristics of a fantastic leader that you want to emulate, and then scale yourself to it? What are their virtues? What are their traits? What are their characteristics? And how can you move closer to that? The second thing I want to invite you to consider is consider your humility. Humility is, are we coachable and are we teachable? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to learn? Are we willing to do things a little different? Simon was so ready to hear from Jesus. Remember when he was muttering and he got caught? He was like, yeah, teacher, yeah, tell me whatever you want. But at the end of the story, Simon and the rest of the Pharisees were all in the same boat. Actually, they were abandoning the boat because they said, uh, you know, let's separate ourselves from this guy. He's doing things a little different. There's something to be said about our willingness to learn and our ability to lead other people. Are we willing to learn and are we willing to listen? There's something I really hate that I'm going to tell you that you got to promise to keep between me, you and me. Uh, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. I know you're thinking, what does he hate? What does he hate? I hate asking people for help in the grocery store. I know, embarrassing. I've been going to the grocery store my entire life. I should know where the Parmesan cheese is. I should know where the bread is at. I should not be walking around the frozen food section looking for crackers. But still, when somebody asks me, sir, do you need any help? My answer is no, I got it. I know my way around a grocery store. I want you to cut your grocery store time in half. Humility allows us to cut it in half. So humility says, I don't have all the right answers and I need help along the way. The leadership myth is that we have to do it alone. The truth is we don't though. When we're doing it alone, we are doing the very thing that crisis wants us to do. That is isolate ourselves. Crisis is already isolating enough. We feel like we have nobody else who will understand us. We put ourselves on an island. The truth is you need people who have done this before. You're not the only one walking through these moments. Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to open up your heart to the possibility that somebody can help you along the way? I love our lead pastor, Mike. Don't tell him I said that, but I love him so much because he is the one of the most humble leaders I have ever met. And he does a whole lot of listening and very little talking. He asks questions. He helps us process things that we're feeling in our heart. He doesn't poke or prod. He says, hey, let's go on this journey together. And I think when you think about some of the greatest leaders in your life, they learn to ask really good questions and they learn to listen really well. I want to invite you, learn to ask some really good questions and learn to ask some, for some help in some really stressful moments because you don't have to do life alone. Crisis is isolating. Don't do it alone. And the last thing I want to invite you to consider is consider your why. I love when kids start asking why, because I get to see their parents, and I don't have kids yet. I get to see their parents go from like, oh, that's so cute, I love that they're asking why, to a couple months later, they're like, because I said. Asking why is really tough, because it has everything to do with our inside world and nothing to do with our outside world. It says, what's my heart about? 
What's my intentions? What's my motivation? What are the thought processes? Why do I wake up in the morning? Why is a difficult question? But because it's so difficult, when we are in go mode, when we're in game mode, we forget to ask this question enough. And so we start doing all these things, but we have no purpose behind it. And maybe that's why a lot of us are exhausted right now. Or we feel like we don't have enough information to make the right decision. You see, crisis is an accelerator. It's gonna make life go fast. Asking why slows it down. I used to play sports. I played football. I was in track and field. I also did wrestling. And I remember we drilled the same things at practices all the time, over and over and over and over again. And I remember being a kid and being like, man, I hate drilling. I just want to get in the game. I just want to play. I just want to be on the mat. I just want to do the thing that we came to do. But the truth is, is that when the game started, it went really fast. And we didn't have time to think. You had to just let instinct take over. Have you drilled in why you're doing what you're doing? Have you asked yourself, why do I want to be a good parent? Why do I want to be a good teacher? Why do I want to be a good leader? Why do I want to be a good boss? Why do I want to lead in the first place? Do you know your why? Knowing your why will unlock your future because that answer is always in the future. If you don't know your why, you're going to be so focused on your what. And what may get stuff, down, get stuff done in the moment, but why keeps you going into the future? Jesus knew his why. He knew that his focus and his responsibility was to help this woman experience God. And guess what? That was supposed to be Simon's responsibility as well. His responsibility was to move people closer to God. And yet along the way, Simon had forgot. Jesus hadn't. Jesus had another mission that he was going to breathe life into this world. He was going to bring hope into crisis. He was going to remove the shadow of uncertainty and say that there is light and there is a future possible. See, this woman, she didn't need all the answers. She didn't need her problems fixed. She didn't need a three-step course on how to be better. What she needed was somebody to tell her that a future was possible. What she needed was somebody to say that tomorrow she can be right with people and right with God again. What she needed was somebody to just show her love and to say, I see you, I notice you, you're valuable, you're worth something. And that's what Jesus does in that moment. He sees her because his why was more important than who, his why was more important than what, his why was bigger than any of the crisis that was going on. Jesus' purpose was to give people's life back. And today, maybe you're watching and you've been at home during this pandemic and you just feel like, I'm tired. I'm tired of life. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of leaders. I'm tired of just everything going on right now. Can I just pause with you for a moment and ask you, are you feeling like Simon today? Where you're just so frustrated with everybody because nobody's fixing the problem? If I could submit to you, maybe you're the peace that people need. Maybe you're the peace that you've been praying for, for somebody else. Maybe people don't need a prophet right now. Maybe they just need your presence. Are you willing to slow down and ask these questions and become a better version of you and a better version of a follower of Jesus for the sake of the people around you? This woman didn't need a prophet. She needed a future. Maybe the people around you just need a future and they need your presence. They don't need the leader that has it all together. They don't need the leader with all the right answers. They need the leader who's going to be right there in the middle of the moment. And maybe today you're like this woman. 
you're tired. You're, you feel beat up. You feel like your brain is drained and you don't even know if you want to lead anymore. You kind of don't even know if life is possible after the crisis, after the pandemic. Maybe you've been places, you've done things and you carry this weight and you carry this burden and you just feel so desperate. Today I want to invite you, come to Jesus' feet and weep with him. The myth of leadership is we do it alone. The truth of Jesus is that we're never alone. Will you weep at Jesus' feet today? Whether you're new to this, whether you've been following Jesus for a while, we have to make it a habit of coming back to Jesus and saying, God, I need you. Let's ask him that question in a very real way today. So here it is. I can't always know what's next, but I will do what I must today. I can't always have the right answers, but I will learn what I can today. I can't always know what to do, but I will become whatever is needed for the people around me because I choose to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Jesus did whatever it takes to meet us where we're at. He broke religious rules. He broke social rules. He even defied death and rose from the grave. And he says, I am here to give you life. Do you want it? If you want this life in Jesus today, on December 6th, we're going all out. We do baptism Sundays here on our campus, but also you can do them right where you're at at home. In the comment section, you just say, I'm ready if you want to be baptized. If you need to come home today, if you need to come to Jesus' feet, let's pray in this next moment and ask him for guidance and ask him for wisdom and just let him know that we're willing to do whatever it takes. Father God, in this moment, we give you our hearts, we give you our hands, we give you our minds. God, and we say in all honesty, in all realness, we will do whatever it takes to lead the ones we love. And we're starting today by leaning into you. Leading ourselves, God, starts with leaning into you. We know what you want for our lives, God. And some of us in here, maybe we're struggling with finding what that is. God, just be clear, be loud, be present, be close, God. Thank you for leading us, God, and thank you for loving us, no matter what the cost was, God. Thank you for all these moments that we have together. And we all live something in Son's holy name. And all God's people said, amen.
hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local to the Redlands or Ukaipa area, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Ukaipa and 10 a.m. in Redlands. See you next time.